Hello and welcome back to ATO After the Whistle, the podcast by the Capital City Supporters Group. And it's a slightly sad but definitely very happy moment here at Capital City Headquarters as this is the last ATO After the Whistle for the 2021 season. And despite the turbulent, tipsy-turvy, up and down, all over the place, tear-filled, whether they be joyed or often rather painful moments. Uh, the last few games have had a, a bit more of a, a positive narrative to them. We're ending this season on a higher note than I think a lot of us expected, especially after coming out of the maybe 10, 15 games after the bubble. Uh, that's not including the eight in the bubble. We were having a little bit of a difficult time and we were very sad and you've heard us rap on about that for quite a few episodes now. But what you get to hear here is some slight hopes and aspirations for the end of this season, what we're looking forward to in the next game, our final game, as well as overall looking back and casting our minds back to the 2021 first full inaugural season here at TD Place in Ottawa for Atletico. Ottawa joined as me joined with me, pardon me, as ever is Johnny MacArthur. Johnny say hello. Bonjour. Bonsoir. Ça va? Bien. Très bien. Okay. And that's the extent of Johnny's French until it improves. So we'll come back to that in a later episode. <laughs> but also as a special guest joining us this evening is CCSG founder, man of many mysteries and plenty of fedoras, consistently behind the scenes until this weekend, really, when he decided to make his grand entrance quite literally on center stage as he stood in the middle of the pitch with the Capital City Supporters Group Player of the Season, Malcolm Shaw, as he was awarded a golden scarf. It's the one, the only Mr. Daniel Duff, how's it going? It's uh, it's Monday, so I'm I'm I've got the Monday energy, but I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. It was a wonderful weekend, and uh, you know, bittersweet as you mentioned, last last game in the dub for the season. But uh, you know that we're we're not we're not finished at all. Uh, we've got so much uh, to do as a supporters group, and uh, happy to mention and talk about that uh, tonight as well. Smashing stuff, smashing stuff. So we're going to need to go through a bit of a, a usual kind of format in the sense that Johnny and I are going to be chatting about what we saw at the game. My experience was a little different. I'll dive into that as well a little bit later on too. Um, but all in all, it's going to run down in, in that sense. And then we're going to bring Dan in to talk about a little bit of the overview for Capital City throughout the season. I will get your thoughts and queries on the game as well as we go along, Dan. And then obviously at the end, we'll cast our eyes forward to see what remains for Capital City in the last two weeks now without a game, bizarrely, because who on earth did that schedule? It's a weird you one. You know, eh? York play three more times this yeah. season. It's a weird and, one. Like, we have, yeah, we have one game. It's especially like, after the like this season where we've been playing a game like almost every four or five days for a few months now, and now it's two weeks. It's it's you you can see why all of the sort of obviously everyone was saying farewell to the fans because it was the last home game, but like everyone has this feeling that it's like farewell for the season as if it's over because it's so long until the last game. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It might as well be. It absolutely might as well be. I was listening to the CanPL Newsroom podcast today and they were talking about the fact that York fly out to Pacific this weekend and then I think it's cavalry that they travel to straight after. Oh, wow. So in the whole time our boys are here in Ottawa soaking up that uh, colder 
and colder and colder weather as we fast approach the depths of despair that is an Ottawa winter. Yeah. Um, the guys from York are literally gallivanting across half the country. <laughs> it's a weird one. I don't understand it, but hey, and we'll see if it works to our advantage. Maybe we can rest up and get a good result in Halifax in a couple of weeks. I mean, maybe we we decompress too much and then we come back and, and we're even more disjointed than we sometimes normally are. Who knows? I'd love to play spoiler. We can talk about that later, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if it works to our advantage or not. Yeah, that was way too pessimistic a comment based on how I'm feeling about this team at the moment. <laughs> like, you know what? There might be one game left, but we're going to win the league. We're going to win the league. We're going to win the league. Uh, but either way, interesting we mentioned there about being being tired and resting up. That was actually a key point that Jimmy Brennan brought up in his post-match press conference, kind of blaming fatigue and tired legs on uh, the performance that they put in versus Atletico Ottawa this weekend. Johnny, before we even dive into some of the more intricate moments of the match... Just give me some of your overriding feelings and what are some of the things that stood out for you from uh, Sunday's appearance? Um, normally, like, any time an opposing manager says something like that, normally I always want to try and find a reason why they're just blowing smoke. I think that's kind of accurate. Like, we, I think they were lucky to get a point. And I think that, you know, you look at the stats, back that up. We led everything. We led absolutely everything except possession, which, you know, you know us, who cares? Everything else we did right and we did better. And, you know, if, if it wasn't for um, Nathan Ingham, then we would have left that game with three points. So I think that's a that's a fair comment from him. It's just if all the across the board, you're lower than usual, then you can probably chalk it up to something like that. Even though we've started the same 11 for the past three games. So, I mean, we weren't exactly the freshest rest day of daisies either. So maybe 1-1 one, one right, was Johnny a fair result. To give it into a bit more of a, uh, a broken down form, hit me with like three key points that you took away from Sunday's performance. Um, I th performance. I think we're continuing to on the right path for the end of this season. Obviously, the past few games have been better. Our new system, things are working, and we're on the right path. Basically, I'm. I'm. It, it's nice to end the season this way and not in absolute despair. I mean, you know, a draw at home. It's better than a loss. It's not as good as a win, but it's it's like positive for us, right? So I mean, if we had if we had gotten dismantled, then the mood would have just been awful. But a draw is good enough to be in good spirits, I think. Good, looking towards next season. Point two would say that that was Antoine Coupon's best performance in in the red and white stripes. Hear ye, hear ye. I am. Yeah, I would I would agree I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah, I'm just, I'm immensely uh, anticipating his return next season, should it happen. I, I think we would be absolutely foolish not to bring him back again next season. You know, maybe give him some other football in the offseason. I don't know. I mean... Honestly, um, I was, uh, again, we'll dive into sort of what my day was like as well as we're going to dive into what Dan's day was like. And I want to hear about yours as well, Johnny, because you were back in the capital for this one in the stadium. Sure but uh, Antoine Coupland in the post-match press conference was very much touching on how happy and elated he was. Uh, he had lots of friends and family in the, audio, in the, um, in the audience uh, there on Sunday afternoon as well. But one of the things he touched upon, which is something we know, like you think starry-eyed 17-year-old kid, is this link with Mama Bear, which is Atletico de Madrid. Mm. And uh, he knows that that pathway is potentially open if he performs. And you mentioned there, if he comes back next season, my biggest worry now is 
honestly, Atletico de Madrid watching this and seeing how much he's grown here. Mister now has trust in him. As you say, he's been thrown into that starting lineup finally yeah. over the last few games and he's matured and gotten better game yeah. on game. We're talking two, three games in the space of seven or eight days here. Yeah. And there is a notable difference oh, in yeah. his ability on the pitch just between those. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if Kuplan's not back in the capital next year, whether he's in the capital of Spain instead. See, I, I feel like this is a, 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 an, an opportunity that we sort of forget to talk about sometimes. Um, but it's it's a golden opportunity for a player like him because, I mean, yeah, like you said, his last, like, he started the last three, I believe. And his his rise in form in even just three games i i think meteoric would be the word it was just improvement 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 to the point where kid put in a man of the match performance yesterday put in a player a a team of the week performance Mm -hmm. yesterday which i was going to say that on this podcast even if that didn't show up in the official team of the week but it is an official team of the week performance now so yeah he's just he's a bright spot and can't wait to watch what he does next. He's only going to get better once he gets a little more physical uh, and, and a little beefs up his frame a little bit too, right? And, you know, that's something that, that like you said, uh, whether he's in Madrid or Ottawa or something, that he's, that he's inevitably going to end up doing. Yeah. And, and I believe watching him this, this year and obviously the, the, the tail end of the season so we can get our, our youth minutes in, um, and uh, bravo for actually going through with that, by the way. There's so many clubs, Hamilton, that, that don't even bother. But um, <laughs> I, think, I think Antoine Kublin is, is one of those players that rises to the caliber uh, of players around him. And I think he, he answers the bell uh, every single match yeah. with, with, you know, uh, if we're, you know, in this new counterattacking um, revelation that the club has figured out for themselves finally. Um, works for a player like that that is creative and and that isn't afraid to uh, you know find space just outside of that 18. It's true and the thing is, is like he we we're talking about his increase in ability we, we talk about how you know he's a little small and, and it, it was almost a narrative now that he gets bullied off the ball a lot. Yesterday if you look at his stats a lo- there's a lot of improvements in those areas. I mean he won seven duels he only lost four. He attempted two tackles. He succeeded in both of them. He was only dispossessed one time, and that's a market. Do you have, impro- um, do you have the stat? Do you have the stat on how many times he was fouled as well? The the one thing I noticed um, being. I didn't get to watch too much of the game, but one of the things I noticed was the first foul on Atletico Ottawa came 45 seconds in, and it was a shove into Kuplan's back, which almost felt like a, it was a statement foul. It was a, we understand the effect this boy can have in between the lines, and he's a young guy, and we're going to leave a mark on him early on. Yeah, and it's, it's, you leave a mark, and you're going to put like a benchmark there. It's like, all right, that's a foul. Anything less than this, maybe we won't get a foul called for it because we know what a real foul on this kid looks like. Because he only got two. He was only fouled twice. But, I mean, you know, the official amount of times that the stats say Antoine Couplin was fouled is never really an accurate number anyways. So, you know, they, they, they love not calling fouls on this kid because 
because he's a little guy. So they're like, no, I'll get yeah, him. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I, also, I also think the narrative about his strength is actually a little bit skewed. I think he's actually for a 17-year-old and playing in actually what is a rather physical league. Ask any of the Spanish boys who joined up this year and ask them what they thought about yeah. the physicality of the Canadian Premier League and how much of a shock maybe that was to their system. And by the way, I hope that's also something that the higher-ups both here in the likes of Fernando Lopez as well as going back to Spain and looking at the people who make the decisions into which players do come to Ottawa, come over to, to play in the Canadian Premier League, realize that maybe not every single player that we want to send over who's technically gifted in some aspect is going to thrive here. And I hope that does come into their equation. Yeah. But going back to the Coupland point, I actually think he's stronger than a lot of people give him credit for. And I actually think he holds his own in a very physical league. Yes, he gets dispossessed and yes, he's going to get stronger, but he is 17 years yeah. old. So as we say, like we call, we say, I think there is a bit of a false narrative out there about his strength. I think people hit him harder than they would even like, I think they hit him harder than then they hit Soto. I don't think Alberto Soto is stronger than Coupland, but I also don't think that they hit Soto as hard because anytime anyone goes near Soto in that sense, if they catch him, Soto's very good at, at winning free kicks, I'm going to say. Yeah. So like, he is definitely fouled, but he's good at winning free kicks. Sometimes Antoine is a bit too honest. He tries to stay up too much. Yeah. Which actually, I have a point about that. Just I was watching some of the stuff back yesterday, and there was a um, Malcolm Shaw chance on the eleventh minute mm -hmm. where he goes in. He's one on one on the edge of the six yard area. And by the way, like when we talk about Malcolm Shaw, we're going to deflect over to Malcolm Shaw here for a minute. And some of the the thing I've noticed about him so much recently, and it's actually something that Mister mentioned in his last press conference, was Malcolm Shaw's ability on the ball. He's fast and he's strong, and he sometimes relies on taking into space. Yeah. Whereas Mister said he's showing more maturity now in in holding up that ball and playing with the ball at his feet a little bit more. And that man's footwork—it's a little bit of a dream oh, yeah. for a man who's six foot tall and built yeah. like the proverbial literal shit brick house yeah, he's exactly. literally built exactly. out of. And and there was like so he again when, when we talk about an honest player he sort of makes his way around the defender and gets this shot off but straight at Ingham it's a relatively decent save I think it I think it flatters Ingham a little bit but go and watch that he is being dragged down to Dante's seventh layer of hell like he is being he's being pulled to the floor <laughs> like, and and the fact like again he's an honest player he's not flailing about he's not going to the ground he's he's determined and he's trying to get that shot away and I, I think I see that a little bit in Coupland in the same sense that Coupland gets hit and he tries to get up as quickly as he can or yeah. he tries to stay up as much as he can and I think it is literally just then put down to oh he's not strong enough whereas I actually think there's more of an element of like he's being a little bit too honest yeah I mean probably I mean like he's a young Canadian kid that's what's drilled into us when you know when we play hockey as little ones or even soccer it's like uh, we have a really bad history of 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 I don't want to say discriminating, but maybe having not so nice opinions about foreigners in soccer that dive on the floor and things like this, or even foreigners in hockey. I mean, look at like the Don Cherry school of thought, like it's very ingrained in our culture to look, to frown upon what we consider to be uh, uh, showing weakness in sport, like humility, uh, humbleness, and lack of like, you know, masculine weakness is a huge part of our culture. And mm -hmm. I mean, you gotta you gotta coach uh, someone to go down when it's advantageous, I suppose, or go down when you've genuinely been fouled. That's the other thing is that we love to cover up when we've been hurt, right? Like, 
we praise these old pictures of hockey players that have been freaking uh, skate blade to the face and then you're bandaged up and you're back out there again. It's like, oh, no, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. But, I mean, if you're fouled, there's no shame in, in showing the ref that you have been fouled. No, and like there is a fine line between that, right? And yeah. that's where we struggle sometimes. The honesty of trying to play on versus the 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 sort of uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? The deceptiveness yeah. of quite literally gaining some gaining an advantage from when there isn't a foul. Dan, I think that we can all agree on the point in theory about the fact that some players are honest and don't get as many fouls as they want, <laughs> and some players are too dishonest and get more than perhaps you were. But like in terms of the Coupland train of thought here, I mean, I I, th- I kind of threw it out there that I think. It it's a bit of a false narrative. What's your view on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally think that he's he's a small guy and like like a like a sophomore and at you know at high school at lunch they're gonna pick on him a little a little more than they would yeah. um, you know a senior and that's just unfortunately just the the sort of you know the way that it is. Um, I I want to sort of touch on is you know as being Zach Verhoeven's biggest biggest fan. Uh, in the city, uh, I, I have to add him to that list of maybe being a little bit too honest. I mean, it seems like every time, I mean, he's, he's immensely fast, immensely creative, and um, the amount of PKs that could be awarded to us uh, when there's a defender that can't can't even touch him, yanking on his shirt or yeah. tripping him up. Uh, I'd love to, you know, I'd, I'd kind of I'd kind of like to see Zach draw a couple of uh, uh, fouls and and. And stuff like that. So I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe you know, maybe it's just, um, you know, yeah. I don't know if it's a, a, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, you know, I think there is a maturity of the game where you have to utilize things to your advantage. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's it's very important when you're playing in a in a league as physical as this with referees that are as quite frankly inexperienced as the ones that there are running the show. Um, you know, use those things to your advantage. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of leagues in South America that, that, that just, you know, they, they take the rules and they bend them to their advantage. Mm. And that's how come they, they're successful, you know? Yeah, I mean, especially in when certain, other... In certain areas, you know? Yeah, especially when other people are doing it as well. I mean, you would be a fool not to use the same tools that others are using if it's advantageous. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and um, well, I think we'll, um, Zach Verhoeven's a very interesting one, and I feel like we do talk about him every week, but we will come <laughs> back to him in just a second. Before we move away from Coupland, though, uh, I just I, we, we got a couple of other bits and bobs that we, we haven't even spoken about here. We're, we're 15 minutes into the podcast, and uh, Antoine Coupland scored his first ever goal at TD Place, yeah. well, competitive goal at TD Place in front of 40-plus friends and family. Uh, I'm going to go around the room. We're going to start with you, Johnny. Uh, what was that moment like for you in the stands when he's one of our own, put that ball, albeit off a very big deflection, into the back of the net? Yeah. I mean, the, like the, the chant was probably more stoked than the goal because I didn't even realize it was his goal at first. I thought that was going to go down as an OG. I was like, man, that, what kind of a deflection like that is? I mean, he had, I mean, credit to to him that, you know, run that cut in to get on the left and then fire that shot off was fantastic. I mean, it wasn't a fluke. There's nothing flukish about that goal. It's just funny how, how like, big of a deflection it was and, you know, it really shows how Ingham was caught on the wrong foot. You know what I mean? But, you know, they all count. 
they all count, and the fact that it was on target before it got deflected means that uh, the young lad gets his first goal at home and runs right past his, his sister into the arms of Brian Wright one more time. <laughs> <laughs> there is an absolutely gorgeous photo, isn't there, at the back of Coupland and, and big, big brother Brian oh, Wright, yeah. like, oh, just yeah. looking as happy as one could possibly be, yeah. uh, ready ready to embrace him there. It is, I mean, there, there's always these talks about bromances. I think uh, Chris Manetta on the live interview we did on Capital City Supporters Group YouTube, you can go back and find that video at any point. We had a great little one-on-one chat with him a few weeks ago and uh, we asked he was asked in the Q&A section at the end um, who was the biggest bromance on the team and he did say Brian and Dylan Mm -hmm. but um, I think we've had some other conversations in the discord chatting about this and and Brian and uh, Brian and uh, Antoine has to be up there though I think we sort of settled on the fact that Dylan and Brian have bromance whereas Brian and Antoine have the big brother little brother absolutely yeah for sure I mean it's Brian literally reposted like a story on instagram today calling him his little brother like it's that's their their relationship someone someone had said that um they read in some article that when they were uh in the bubble or wearing the island games last year that brian was the one that was making sure antoine was doing his homework <laughs> yeah that was uh that was actually on a uh again to give someone else a shout out here um the step over podcast yeah yeah the Josh, step over Josh podcast the step yeah, he had a great interview from the bubble with uh, Chris Manella and Antoine Coupland, yeah. who were roomies, I believe, at the time yes, as well. But yes. yeah, Ant- Antoine would talk about going back in and having his afternoon naps because the training was a bit intense. <laughs> and then Brian would come in and wake him up to make sure he did his homework. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, Coupland had another couple of moments there. When we speak about his strength a little bit, there's one of the notes I jotted down was uh, I thought he showed actually really good strength and composure on the ball. In the it was the 48th minute, he yeah, he, yeah, was, he was surrounded by two or three York players in the end with a couple of 50-50s in there. And when you mention those duels won, and that's that's a very important one where he found his way out of a tight spot just yeah. off the center circle in the middle of the pitch, and he comes forward. And he releases the most delightfully weighted left foot pass with the outside of his boot for Malcolm Shaw, which, by the way, is only rivaled for me by in a pass that game by Rafa Nunez, who did the exact same thing for yeah. Telfer at the very end of yeah. the game, uh, which we can dive into a little bit more later. But Kuplan's strength there and that accuracy, and it, it wasn't even just like, oh, lump it towards Malcolm. Malcolm's on the left-hand side of the defender running towards goal, and Antoine shapes that ball wonderfully around the right-hand side of the defender and into Malcolm's path and yeah so it's a one-on-one that you would you really expected Malcolm Shaw to score he puts the game to 2-0 at that point and maybe we're having different conversations yeah. here but um, on his left foot look things things happen and we're hoping for consistency across the board in the team so I was very happy to see Malcolm on the sheet and I think we were all over the moon to see Coupland play I mean he came off on the 60th minute Meester said it was down to fatigue Dan being a guy who's played sport yourself and Watched sport for a long time as well. 17-year-old, played a few games in a row. It's 60 minutes because I, I think he was still impacting the game the moment he came off for Rafa Nunez. I think just before the substitution, he had had another moment where it was like Kuplan finding space between the lines and the attacking third again. Do you think that was the right call by Meester on the day when a player was being so influential uh, that he decided to remove him from the physical firing line on 60 minutes for his own body and his own <laughs> development? Well, you kind of you kind of 
laid up the question for me, I guess. Um, you know, I, 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 I just wonder, do you no, think, I mean, do you no. think he's right? Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. He's got a, he's got a minutes quoted me. Um, Couplin was not just involved in the match. He was an instrumental figure in the match for the first time this whole entire season. He was coming in back in the transition. He was going very well, running well box to box. Like you guys said, he, he was not getting fouled. Um, he had a great scoring chance before the deflection goal that went in, yeah. and he had a couple of decent ones where he was pulled down and kind of towed it uh, to the keeper. But you know what I mean? Like th there, there was a lot of great things that Antoine was doing. I mean, to me, to me, to be honest, it is a bit of a coin toss. He's needed for Halifax. Mm -hmm. We've got to get more minutes again. And then the other thing too is just like you know. The, the sort of serendipitous element to it all is here's the hometown boy with the new club. It's his best game of the season. He's got the goal. He's clearly the star of the game. Yeah. Take him off and give him his 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 applause. You know, it's sort of like a pitcher that's pitching a no hitter into the seventh inning, and all of a sudden the manager comes out and asks for the ball. It's like, well, yeah, maybe he could have. Maybe he could have hypothetically went on and had a perfect game or a no hitter, but like we got to close this game out yeah. here, and and we've got to think about tomorrow. Yeah. And um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I would have kept him on personally. Mm. I don't. These games these games don't mean anything. Um, and and he's an absolute commodity, uh, and every time he takes to the pitch, he's proving it. Um, you know, and I think that um, he's not just here to tick the youth minutes box anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would have kept him on, but I don't think it's so egregious. It's such an egregious substitution. I mean, um, <laughs> there have been a few more uh, throughout the, the, the years that, uh, that I could go on about, but you, got, you know, those, those episodes have passed. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I think I agree with you there. I mean, um, I was I was stood in the tunnel at the point when Kuplin was walking back around, come to the bench, and as he came around, uh, despite play still ongoing, everyone started was getting on their feet and giving the boy a round of applause oh, as yeah. he came to the bench. Did that make it down to you guys in the dub? Did you have an understanding that Kuplin would have just walked around and that's what everyone was getting up and applauding to, Johnny? I mean, yeah, like I was, um, I. I wasn't there when he made his debut at TD Place two years ago when he was 15, but I was at another game that he had played, and he has a lot of love here. And the crowd, you know, lost their shit, basically, when he stepped on the field for the first time. And that love has not subsided in any way. It's just getting better. So, yeah, you, yeah that's, you, like, the, the, the place loves him. The place loves him, and that's, you knew exactly what, what was going on. Yeah, and Dan, you, you're saying you're nodding at me when I was saying it. You uh, you realized he was coming to the bench and that round of applause was for him in the stadium? Yeah, absolutely. No, our our, our, um, our MDOs were well aware of it and we were doing the Kuplin chant uh, because of it. And um, yeah, just, just to sort of add to what Johnny was saying is that like, you know, when, when, the, when they're rounding off the broadcast on one soccer, you know, as, as Kuplin man of the match, and, um, you know, they're telling, you know, they're signing off the air with the fact that this six, 17 year old kid is becoming, you know, a cult icon in the city. Yeah. It's like, well, I, you know, I don't think I don't think the pundits are, are wrong. I think I think they're very right. I think there is this massive affinity for him um, because because he's from 
you know, the, the Gatineau side, I think, I think it encourages a lot of, you know, the youth that are coming from, from the other side of the capital region to uh, not only attend games, but to have hope that they can also do what he's doing. You know, these, those programs uh, are, are, are very good in Quebec. They're always well-funded. Mm -hmm. And um, Coupland, uh, hopefully, is the first of many, but it is no, there is no refute. He is, he is uh, a legitimate, uh, you know, somebody called him the prodigy and we had fun with it yeah. with some of our comps <laughs> this year. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's legitimate. And, um, yeah, let's keep, him, let's keep him here. And if he's, if he's not going to be here, let's buy him a, a return flight from Madrid. Well, the thing is, he's really holding up his end of the bargain, right? I know when we, when we first signed him to Atletico, a lot of people are like, oh, even when he got signed to Fury, it was a, a gimmick signing. You know, it was just signing a local kid uh, to, to get people to come out. And it was like a PR move. He is showing that that is absolutely not the case. And, you know... I mean, after the game yesterday, I think I can think of at least three different uh, like one soccer people that tweeted about him. Ones that weren't even calling the game. I think Terry was doing the color. Terry tweeted about him afterwards. Adam Jenkins tweeted about him afterwards. I'm pretty sure Chris and Jack tweeted about him afterwards as well. Like he's making waves. The potential is there. It's being hit, and people are taking notice. Most definitely, most definitely. And like he got one goal yesterday, as we said, he could have had a second goal. Um, Ryan Telfer, who I actually want to get to uh, onto in just a second, uh, had like a, a, a big driving run through the middle of the park. Yeah. And he actually had a, a few of those with glimpses of the kind of animosity Telfer can can bring. Like I stood next to him for the first time and he's not as tall or as, or as broad as I maybe thought he was. Uh, but when you watch him on, on the broadcast and even all of a sudden when you see him on the pitch, he's one of these players where you know where you say the camera adds 10 pounds like even just like standing on the sidelines yeah. Telfer from the guy he is in the tunnel to the guy he is on the pit he looks like he's like Popeye who just ate his spinach all of a sudden <laughs> he looks three times the size the scary mean machine and I think that is that's his real forte that's his real skill being able to channel that into these very direct powerful fast runs mm -hmm. we saw them a couple of times and I really, I, I've, I've watched it a couple of times and I know it requires another movement for the ball onto the right foot, but I really think he should be sliding Coupland in it's, instead of playing that ball out to Soto, who then, by the way, I think Alberto Soto does a fantastic job yeah. to leave the defender for dead before finding Coupland, who again, to like compliment him here, makes a lovely movement from the goal line where he was expecting the first ball to come back onto the edge of the six yard area to actually be in a position to receive it. Yeah. Does he get the right contact? No, does it go straight at Ingham? Yes, is it a save? Does it again chalk down to a to a what if? But I feel like Telfer should be releasing him through the center. Do you do you remember that? that I chance, do remember Johnny? that, and it was infuriating because it was so it's such an easy easy decision that should have been made. And I mean, you're right. What the decision ended up happening, um, the, Antoine's response to that situation to actually get that shot off on his weak foot was very mature, very aware, like uh, almost a veteran move to be ready to get that shot off because it basically just bounced to him. But um, yeah, it shouldn't have been there. In the front. He should have gotten that ball five seconds earlier and then just slotted it right into far post with his left foot. He might, he might not even have had to take another touch, but even but if he did, he would have had the time because he's by himself. 
Yeah, and I, and I don't want to be too critical about about one pass. I mean, like, no, I'm I mean, an Arsenal those fan things happen, there was a right? Time, there's mm-hmm. a, like, I, I look at things and there's like a few players I could criticize for passes in the last couple of weeks. I can criticize Kuplin for a couple. There was mm-hmm. there was one mm-hmm. where on his left foot, he had a chance to play this floated ball over to Alberto Soto, who was making a run and would have been clean in on goal. But Kuplin hesitated with that pass and then turned the other way to put try and put Zach Verhoeven in. We, we lost the ball and you see an exasperated player as you would be. Of course you would be. So I'm not trying to be too harsh on, on that one pass. No. But what I want, Dan, because you're here as well, I, w- I want to ask you about Ryan Telfer in, in general. He's a man who's had a topsy-turvy season with us. Obviously missed a huge portion of the bubble because he was off on international duty. Uh, not that we covered ourselves in any glory, whether he would have been there or not. <laughs> he finally comes back. He bags a goal in a defeat against Halifax away from home and then obviously he has that that moment that has become the most iconic photo of Atletico Ottawa's not just season but like history uh, <laughs> short history but history at this point as he's uh, flipping the bird to, to someone uh, I'm still going to say it's Joe Morelli because Jay wow 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 as Gareth Wheeler would say just deserves it um <laughs> And yes, that is said with an incredible undertone of bitterness, which if Jal Morelli played in our team, I would adore him and buy his jersey tomorrow. But beyond the point, Dan, Ryan Telfer, what have you, what have you made? What, what, is, what is the issue? Is it literally just that he is probably the best player on the team on his day and therefore cannot be left out of the lineup, but he's checked out? Like, what's up with him? Well, he reminds he, he, he his what you were talking about earlier is stature. Ryan, Ryan Telfer has stature on the pitch and over the ball, um, regardless of his physical demeanor. I mean, he, he is very, very aggressive. Yeah, nor he, do I think he's a lanky dude. I just think he, no, like he looks bigger on the pitch. But, yeah. but, but I think his presence mm. and his persona over the ball are even bigger than that. And Personality I, yeah, adds to it almost. And I think, I think you know, his reputa- reputation precedes him in a lot of ways. And I think um, he's an immensely gifted footballer that knows how to be physical, um, when when he when he when he needs to be, but unfortunately, I think that a lot of the scouting report has been out on 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 Ryan very early yeah. in the sense that all you have to do is get him angry, and he he doesn't stick to the game plan. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to turn this into a, an HBO boxing special, but I'm a massive boxing fan, and and when you have somebody that is immensely gifted, immensely skilled, they have to stick to a game plan. No matter what the other person does, mm-hmm. you have to stick to the game plan because the second you don't, you become vulnerable and you open yourself up and you can be defeated. Well, it, to me, it's a similar uh, thing that's happened this year. I think people have really figured out how to get under his skin. I think he is not satisfied with the level of officiating. I mean, there's a long, there's, that's a big club. That, that, that he belongs to in that regard. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that I think that's it. I mean, I think he's, he's a, a, a tremendous attribute to have in any lineup. We just gotta, we gotta find a way to utilize, utilize him in a role where he's either not, you know, gonna get, you know, flip a switch or blow his top so easily, you know? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's an attitude thing. It's, you can see it from the stands. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, I, no, I, so, I, like, I agree. To me, that's, 
that's that says everything yeah yeah and i think it's a real shame because i feel like his performances have been affected by the frustration that we're talking about here and i do agree that the sense of i think he has i actually i i I, I, th- I think he's been i think he's been let down by the quality of officiating officiating many times i'll get onto the shoelaces in a minute because i was stood right next to that instant and i don't totally ag- agree with his behavior there but i think he's been let down in a sense that he has been hacked at and kicked and had his shirt pulled and he doesn't get many free kicks but the second he goes in on a tackle he's deemed aggressive and he's normally carded never mind just given a free kick away and there are multiple times the last game i'm a bit like i'm frustrated because i'm like play to the whistle but at the same time i'm like i can see it from 70 yards away that your shirt is basically being pulled off of your nipples and the referee's not giving you anything and he just kind of stops running and a good like a good referee knows like he's not just stopping running for nothing he's getting pulled out and pushed and he's frustrated and he starts and so i do think he's been let down with the quality of officiating i think that obviously the quality and the performance of the team throughout the year yeah, that, hasn't helped. that has hasn't i think that has either, been no. another yeah i think that's been another source of infuriation and i think it's such a shame because i think he's a player with such immense talent and i think the frustrations have got to him um, so I will, the shoelaces instant that you speak about what he picked up a yellow card for yesterday, um, he was being cheeky. He was tying up his shoelaces right next to the free kick. And now the Atletico Ottawa player next to him, the defender in question, could have dragged the board away and just played the free kick. But he didn't. And there was a thing. It was like, wait until Telford. And he, he, he did what he was allowed to do. Now, he was being a bit cheeky. But the point is the, the, the referee asked him to hurry it up. And the referee never yellow carded him for it. The referee just like said, come on. And then Ryan tell, Ryan came out and he he had back talk. He, I can't remember the words exactly, but he, he snapped back at the referee. Uh, it was something along the lines of, I'm not allowed to tie my shoelaces. And at that point, it's like, well, you've kind of just wasted 15, 20 seconds tying your shoelaces in a team that's losing. And Jimmy Brennan spent 99.7% of the game moaning to the fourth official. <laughs> like the rhetoric from Jimmy and his assistant to the fourth official was, was it was nonstop. It, it didn't stop for a second yeah. yesterday. So you know what? The referees are feeling the pressure from that side of the bench as well. And I, my point was more like, man, you've managed to gain 25 seconds. Take that as a win and back away. And it was the back talk that got him yellow card in. And I felt like that was just such an epitome, like it just like epitomized his season, which is just a, a guy who's doing so many right things and then gets frustrated and messes it up. And it's just like, just cool heads prevail, I think is the phrase, yeah. is it not? Yeah, my, my, own, my only, just, just to add to a point and be slight devil's advocate, he, he's plays international football in CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. He, he's played football in mm-hmm. Major League Soccer that's had the best referees. <laughs> <laughs> and in his last two years, he's played in the Canadian Premier League. So, like, he's, 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 been, he's been through this drive-through before. Yeah. Like, so that, that's my only thing. It's like, oh you're, oh, you're surprised that the referees are maybe not... Um, FIFA World Cup caliber officials. Is he sick of it though? Is like, the is like, the I question? You know, I mean, and and as just, we s- maybe and he's just sick of it because we know between his two York stints, he tried to go play in Europe. Or I think he was a Cyprus for a few months, played three games. You know, he's right. you know he's ambitious. You know, he has goals, and he already tried. Maybe to, that's it. Yeah. 
He won. Maybe that is it. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm in his camp. Mm. If that's the, if, if that's like, if that's it, right? Like, as a fan, I'm sick of, the, of these ridiculous officiating. I mean, I know you've got an agenda here. No, no, on, no, absolutely. On, on the podcast, but it's just sort of like, like, if this league is going to grow and become what it can. You can't have the. We have to invest in the officiating. We have to get get our officials. We have to send them to Europe or send them somewhere. We need to train them. We need to invest in in in, in their programs. We need to educate them. We need to um, sh- make them shadowed. Whatever it is, we have. To, if our league is going to be great, mm-hmm. not just available. Yeah then we need great officials and 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 that can't always be the last thing you know that that they focus on that CONCACAF focuses on yeah. or that that csa focuses on what do you make of that johnny well i mean we can always say that oh it's a development league and the refs are developing too and you know give it a few years and it's going to get better but you're right it can't always be the last horse that crosses the finish line i mean it's something an area that needs to be improved and it needs investment now. I mean, obviously, all of our referees are assigned by CSA, and so that's an area that CSA needs to improve. It's the quality of our refereeing here, which you know that's fine. It could get better, and it should get better. But we should really see some sort of concrete steps into making that a reality because it's it's sorely needed. Yeah, and to play devil's advocate, I do actually think that towards the tail end of this season, the quality of refereeing has improved a bit. Uh, I think like we we had a game, we had our game against um, uh, who was our last home game before York? Pardon me, Valor. Valor, yeah. Valor, our 2-0 yeah. our, our win against Valor. Not a single yellow card was handed out in that game. I think there were some challenges that could have merited a yellow card, but the referee had made an early decision that you know what, you were going to have to actually hack someone. Yeah. To, to get yellow carded in this game and I and I think and I think he was very fair in that sense and he wasn't just giving uh, he wasn't even giving um, blatant free kicks and and one of the elements of officiating we really haven't touched upon especially in a league that doesn't have the use of VAR and I've not touched in on this at all all season because it never even crossed my mind until I was down on pitch side yesterday. Mm. The quality of the lines people, because there was a couple of women who did it yesterday, but the quality of the, the assistant referees who, who were, were the what, doing the touch lines and the number of times we've been offside and I've been like, how can we be offside? And I've watched it back and I was like, we're offside. <laughs> and I think in a league, like think about the EPL, think about any, C, any league with VAR at the moment and how much they struggle with these millimeter decisions. Mm-hmm. I think all in all, I think the quality of the refereeing down the touch lines in terms of making those calls and keeping an eye on the last defenders. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a couple that were that that maybe were wrong across the season, but I think all in all, I think they have actually done a splendid job. And I, I just wanted to bring that up because we're on refereeing, and yeah. it's something I noticed yesterday. And I don't think I've I've not thought about that uh, the people running the lines once this season. Don't know about you guys. No, I don't think I don't think I think you know out, out of a you know a box of crackers they might have a few broken ones yeah. but other than that it's been pretty good you know i mean i do think i do think that that I, I, it's hard to have a grievance with a line call yeah it's I mean, yeah. unless it's so you know and that's just said is i don't th- i don't know if i can remember one big infamously bad offside call this season and, and you know that's a, exactly that's a good thing i mean i think there might have been one that we called one, so, so we had we, we were called offside even though the players started in our own half so it wasn't that they saw the line wrong it's that they weren't paying attention to a part of the rule but it, but it wasn't a big deal anyways but i can't really remember a, any 
terrible offside call that I have a huge grievance with. Yeah, that's the silver lining right yeah. there. Yeah, right. Is he glass half full this evening, gentlemen? <laughs> and speaking of glass half full, I want to talk about club leading five assists, three in his last two games, Monsieur Zachary Verhoeven. Uh, we heard earlier on in the podcast already that Dan is literally the man's favorite uh, favorite player. Mm. But uh, Johnny, I just want to throw it over to you because you have the absolute pleasure of being able to write the opinion piece, the opinion article essentially on uh, why the fans put Zachary Verhoeven's name forward Mm -hmm. uh, for the finalist for the Golden Scarf Award. And the reason why this is even slightly contentious is because really it was between him and Alberto Soto and Verhoeven got the nod. And let's let's not even go two ways about this. We barely ever talk about Soto on this podcast, but I I just want to go on the record. I think Alberto Soto is hands down in his little finger, the most talented player in this league. Mm -hmm. I think I think I think this this boy this man has got such an incredible amount of footballing talent and that he is he he is getting better and better every game he is being utilized in positions that are maybe different he's not getting the same kind of protection he would get in in another league and he is also getting hit a lot more than he would tend to get hit so like look I we don't talk about Soto very much but I just go on want to go on the record to just say I actually think he's an absolutely fabulous footballer mm. But Verhoeven tipped him on the fan thing. So, Johnny, Zachary Verhoeven, in general, why do you love him and what do you think of his performance yesterday? Well, I mean, I think what people need to get about the Golden Scarf Award is that it's a fan's player of the season. It's not necessarily everyone picking who they think is the most talented or the who has performed the best over the season. It's the fan's player of the season. And Zach is just one of those guys that every second of every game he's giving it a thousand and ten percent and this past week these past two games this past few games I mean his form has upticked at the end of the season like crazy as well he's really just he's he has to be one of the first names on the team sheet it does he he he's played himself into that starting 11 I I think I if I remember correctly at the beginning of the season he had started on the bench a few times because Acosta plays that right back position right and when we switched to a back three, we really started playing towards his strengths. He may, maybe he didn't fit a back four as well, and that's why he wasn't making it into the starting eleven. But ever since we switched, he really can just run up and down that wing without you know without a care in the world and play with the sort of um, I, I want to call it like a like a like an innocence. You know, like just a just a just a creative, like not childlike, but just a, a, a like like a like a kid that isn't rigidly tied down to a system. I mean, if we were playing a really rigid a rigid system, we would have had more than three crosses yesterday. But we didn't have more than three. We had three, and they had twenty. When he got the ball, he more often than not chose to take on an offender and cut in and try and get a good pass and play through the middle. That's a thing that we've been doing more and more lately. We're not that team that brings it to the byline and then hit the ball in. So he's just he's so he's an extremely creative player. He approaches his position in an extremely you know interesting creative way and he really lets his flair speak for itself. 
And I think a lot of a lot of Canadian players, we don't, you know, it's it's the it's the typical North American thing where the Canadian players are your your ham and eggs players, as uh, as Tony Poulos would say it, and your your foreign players are your are your your twinkly toe players. That's not that's that's not the case. The pineapple you put on the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but but Dan, like Johnny's touching on it there, and I think work rate is something that's undeniable when it comes to Zach Verhoeven. I know, obviously, you've been an outspoken, uh, you know, been an outspoken fan of Zachary Verhoeven throughout the season. What have you made of his of his growth? Because um, Johnny to Johnny makes a very interesting point there, and it's something we discussed in the last podcast that there is definitely an element of this system change that has benefited him and that suits him as a player. But what have you made of his growth over the course of the season? Well, it's very interesting because I'll, I'll take that and sort of twist it a little bit. I think, I think Zach Verhoeven came to this team with everything that he possesses today. Mm. I think there isn't a player on the side that's worked harder to get into that starting 11 than Zach Verhoeven. There isn't a more complete two-way player on the side that comes into the rush, does box-to-box football, tackles, assists, and the creativity that you talk about is intuitive. It's natural. It's not a skill set. It's a natural creativity Mm -hmm. that when you have a winger in a position that has speed and that type of creativity, they are a serrated asset. Mm like you yeah. you you can put them they can do some serious damage to a counterattacking side mm. and like you mentioned once we decided that we were going to actually utilize our talent as a counterattacking side and not play this you know lob in uh, sleep sleepover type of football yeah. a player like that becomes even more dangerous because now you have creativity there's a lot of open space that happens, as everybody knows, with, with counterattacking football. Mm-hmm. And Zach is the type of player, and is the, as young as he is, as, as creative as he is, he can, do half of, he can do half the pitch on his own. So I just think that like, that is an absolutely instrumental player for a, for a team that is so top-heavy. And when we counterattack or we want to be a possession-based team against Calgary, um, then, then you know, he can wear different shoes. He can be more of a defensive mm-hmm. midfielder or, 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 or fullback. But, like, I don't know. I, 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 just, I just think that he's a complete player. He's a grit player. Um, and to, to use your hockey analogy, like, he, he is a, like a Theo Fleury type of footballer. Yeah. Like, he, you were talking about earlier about players – that you know maybe maybe they're too honest and i you know like i said earlier i think i think we can add zach to that list too i think he is tough i think he's a small guy but he's tough um he maybe does get muscled off the ball but i'm going to use the same get out of jail free card that we use for 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 coupland you know i just think that verhoven is one of those naturally gifted two-way wingers that are becoming more and more extinct in English football as like English two-way wingers like that you know you see you, you see it I mean I watch a lot of Dutch football because I'm 
crazy, but like <laughs> you, I see it in Dutch football all the time. Like that's an Ajax special, mm. you know? I love seeing it in our Canadian Premier League. Yeah. There's not too many players that, are, that, that have his pace, his natural creativity, and when you have a team like ours, like I said, that's top heavy with Shaw up there, that can, they can fight for space, has the clinical ability to finish with one touch. I mean, that's a great combination, yeah. man. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip this on its head for a second. And despite the fact that I've got his biggest fan and the chap who wrote the lovely article about him, I'm going to provide some, uh, in my opinion, uh, creative, uh, <laughs> productive criticism. Um, uh, I think the, the, something that you phrased there, Dan, like really kind of just sparked it in my mind. I asked you the question about growth because I was interested to hear what your thoughts were on how he's progressed this season. And I actually very much agree with you in the sense that I think he is essentially the same player we were had at the start of the season. I now just think his, his attributes are being used in the correct sense. Yeah. And now he is getting some consistency. But here's the caveat. He is only now getting some consistency and a little bit like the way I would say Malcolm Shaw um, had that one-on-one one yesterday and he didn't finish it on his left foot because now he is finally getting some consistency in front of goal again. I think Zach is now at the point where he now needs to start growing off this consistency he's getting. And I'm just going to add to it in a sec because you used the word intuition. And I think intuition is the perfect word to describe the way in which Zachary Verhoeven plays football. He... And this is actually going to be a criticism. He already knows what he's going to do. He has the picture in his mind. So at the moment, I just find like he doesn't adapt enough to situation. He gets into a position, he gets that ball on the right wing. And you know what? He does it enough times that you know what? Like you do something well in a different way enough times, it's bound to hit the right position at some point but there was a couple of chances that I noticed uh, during the fur well during the game against York there was one where the ball comes out wide to him and Malcolm Shaw makes a, a feint to the back post and a dart to the near post and if Zach flashes that ball across the six yard area that's a tap in for Malcolm yeah. Shaw all he has to do is make good contact keep that on target and try and not hit Ingham um, but Zach doesn't I felt like and I, and I just didn't think the head was there because the, the, the intuition was cut inside as Johnny was saying and look for something maybe a little bit more creative at that point. I feel like he has the picture in his head and that picture is a good picture. He has got very good intuition, but now he's starting to play more regular football. He now needs to start making the decision where, where do I go with my intuition and where do I let the situation that's developing in front of me actually dictate what I need to do? And it's a very, very difficult balance and you're not going to get it right every time. There's another example in the second half where he takes the ball to the byline he could have cut back to Coupland on the edge of the area a little bit earlier. But I think he just had this thought in his head already, beat this guy for speed, get to the byline, drag it back. It's not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad idea at all. I think, and I, and I said, I started this with criticism and I think I wanted to name it as productive criticism because I think he is in a very good position. He has incredible attributes already. And I actually don't think there's anything terribly wrong with the way he's playing. I just want to see the next element of his development, the next element of his growth between deciding between that natural intuition which is very good and also taking more into consideration the exact positioning of the play because that cutback was wonderful there were three players in the box and it didn't go to any of them mm. and when you have three players in the box it's not good enough at the highest level to just make the move to cut back you now have to be aiming for a body it's again to bring it back to arsenal because i'm an idiot who likes arsenal <laughs> who's speaking about amsterdam over here um 
Theo Walcott. One of his biggest criticism was the sheer speed he had and the and the, the again the intuition, the fact that he could just bomb and he could do it and he would whip a ball in. And like the, the criticism that came to Walcott was like, well now 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 you've done that, now we know you've got that, you've got that talent. Now it's about that composure in that mm. split second yeah. of making the perfect decision. It's not the right decision, it's not the good decision, it's the perfect decision. And that for me is just the next step of the growth of an immensely talented and an immense Immensely exciting player that hopefully we'll see on the books next year. What 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 is important to know? It's like the old saying, you know, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I mean, like I said earlier, Zach has he he already has all the tools in the Swiss Army knife, and mm -hmm. like you said, um, I believe that type of growth can happen with good good coaching. To be like you've got you know you've got some great you've got some great skills here let's less is more in this situation let's get like you said let's get the perfect pass in before the beautiful play let's get you know let's get the 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 quality the quality possession than than the fancy you know the fancy pace you know, you, know all, you can't teach players the type of intuitive football that he already possesses you can put them in any clinic or send them anywhere on the planet. They don't, you know, you can't make a diamond, right? So at the end of the day, it's like, he has all the tools that he needs. He's still a young player. He's still a relatively small player. If he was slightly bigger, he might be over in Europe. Um, and I believe that he possesses the, those qualities. And I think with the appropriate coaching where someone sees and is utilizing him going, now I'm utilizing a player to their best of their ability. Let's get them to raise to the performance of the play or the match or the opposition or whatever. And like you said, if it's a, th if it's a straight pass and not a uh, you know, two or three extra steps, that comes from experience. And if you have to fight to get in the starting lineup when you're brought here for minutes, then you're already behind the eight ball. Yeah. And I think that he has shown if there is growth, he has shown that when he's in the starting 11, he's impacted every fucking game that he's been in. No, I agree. And I think an actually not too dissimilar point could be made about Dylan Powley in goal. There again, when Zachary Verhoeven was brought as a fringe player from out west, Edmonton let go of Dylan Powley as the second goalkeeper. And we threw Dylan Powley into his first, like in Canada at the very least, I know he has some time over in Sweden as well, but his first position as like a number one goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. And you can see as the season's gone on, he's become, he's become safer in goal. The number of crosses he claimed yesterday. Johnny, you mentioned earlier about those 20-odd crosses that York put into the box but the number of times Dylan Powley rose above rose above the players and collected that ball and I just feel like he's another one of those players it's just like he needed more minutes on the pitch and as the season's gone on he's got better and he's got better and I think the same point about Zachary Verhoeven he just needs more minutes on the pitch at this point Johnny I always throw to you in this podcast and this is by the way going to be a bit of a longer one because there's three of us and it's the <laughs> final one yeah. so we're going in I've got loads of stuff to talk yeah. about but um, Johnny, you're my, you're my kind of stats guy. Mm. Um, we have been setting up recently as a bit more of a counter-attacking team. Yeah. But what was really interesting yesterday is that our starting possession point was not too dissimilar to York's, were they? Talk, talk us through that, because we've also got, a, I believe, a record-breaking number of shots in XG. So can you take us through some of, the, some of the fancy stats you've got in front of us and what they kind of tell us about the game yesterday? So... Uh, 
I, I'm I'm sure in our existence we've probably underperformed our expected goals before. It happens to every team. I don't know if we've ever underperformed our expected goals to the point where we were expected to score three point zero nine of them and we only scored one. And that's just like if you told me that seven if you told me that three weeks ago, I would have called you great. We don't do that. We don't when we when we scored three goals, I'm pretty sure our XG was like just under one. Like we overperform. We don't underperform it like that. Uh, we, we just we had the ch- we had seven shots on target. They had two. You know, we had a point one five XG per shot. They had point zero seven. They had 20 crosses. Like I said, we had three. You know, we won 53.7% of duels. Uh, other other than the fact that we had less possession than them, we led every single thing else. Our average shot distance was well inside the box, same way it normally is. That could be another thing we look at, maybe. A lot of, a lot of teams that we play, their average shot distance is outside the box. And you have to think that maybe in a league like this, some teams with their shot counts are, are just play the, you know, shoot on sight card because we're not playing against Jan Oblocks and Manuel Neuer's here. You know what I mean? It's like, why don't we just test them from distance if we can't get close enough? But we like to get close, even though we're, we're, cause we, we counterattack like that. We work our way into the box and then we get shots from in close. But yeah, our possession start height, 33 meters. Theirs was 34.6 meters. That, I don't think we've ever actually been that even on that stat before. Normally we're a little bit further back there, and normally they're a hell of a lot further forward. I think when we played Forge, they were almost at the halfway line <laughs> for their mm. average, uh, their average possession site. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's I, a that's an that's a really interesting one, Johnny, because yeah. that not only shows, especially with that, that's a great comparison with Forge, because what that kind of shows you there isn't, especially you were saying, uh, did, did York have more possession than us yesterday? Yeah. Is that what that was? So, like, especially with those factors taken into consideration as well, the fact that the starting possession is the same means that we did a very good job at breaking up their attacks long before they got to our box. Well, 34 meters, so a couple of meters, 10 meters, 10 odd meters outside of our penalty Mm -hmm. area. We were very good at cutting their attacks down there. But them starting at 34 meters also means that a lot of our counterattacks were very productive (coughs) in getting our way all the way down the pitch, which is, as you just mentioned there, something we were unable to do against Forge. So it just so there was a a solid defensive display as well as a very productive counterattacking play. And I mean, that defensive solidity is something that this 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 change in system has just been everything for us. You know these 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 mm-hmm. past few games have been a revelation for these stats that we're leading. And, only, and even if we've only got like we've got two wins out of it, we got the win again. Well, that, that's not the shake a stick. Yeah, that's 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 two fifths of our wins this 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 season have been since we've changed this, yeah, I this think, formation. I think it was two two wins, two draws, and a loss yeah. since the change in. Formation. I mean, that, that it's it's. It's almost like, man, why didn't we think of this two months ago? Like, it, it, this is obviously was the answer. I mean, you know, it takes time to perfect what kind of team that you're going to be. But I just, I, I look at these stats and I'm like, man, this is a team that next season, even even if if we, with this roster playing this uh, uh, system, you know, we, the amount of more points we would have gained this season than the ones that we had is, is would have been ridiculous. We would have been a completely different team. And the fact that we only... Yeah, and, yeah. I, 
Yeah, and I think I think there's a there are there are some there are some comments directed towards the people who make the decisions at this point. So obviously, the, in this case, it is the coach. Um, but one of the things you've got to consider as well, like Mister is Mister is a young coach, and he was trying to persevere with a formation. And you know, it's it's a catch twenty two, right? Yeah. If he had been chopping and changing the formation every three games. Yeah. I, we would have been like, what on earth is this guy doing we, instead? We don't have an to, identity. He ha- He's the tinker man. Why don't we yeah. try and keep with something? Yeah, Exactly. But instead, what he tried to do was persevere with a formation and was continuously almost like changing the personnel for it yeah. to try and fit to that formation. As you say, it, it came late on in the day, but then he decided to change the formation. And look, whether there was like a complete amount of, I know a five at the back with these players and these positions is going to work or more. He tried five at uh, the back and instantly it went... Oh my God! You know, you know when you're like playing around with a Rubik's cube and you're like, "Whoa, how did I make that whole side yellow?" Yeah. You know, like because yeah. you weren't like even like you were just like kind of doing something at this point because everything is like kind of up in flames. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I don't envy his position in the slightest. He's a young coach. He doesn't have a huge amount of experience to draw upon. He has barely. He doesn't really have any draw experience to draw upon beforehand. So he was in, he was in like an impossible situation, which was: Do I keep changing it in this way and get criticised, or do I try and persevere and try and see this philosophy come at the end? Yeah. So I think he was he was always held in a little bit of an impossible situation. Yeah. And and obviously, considering who a mummy and daddy are, there were always certain expectations around all of this so look yes hindsight 2020 is a wonderful (laughs) thing isn't it but i think what we can say is how bloody great is it to see this team at the moment seemingly playing a a style of football that is perfectly suited to the players we have yeah especially to create four big chances in a game against a team that only creates one like these these are these are stats we wouldn't have been we wouldn't have been dreaming about the rest of the season a win that we had was a win that we nicked now it was something yeah. that really should have been a win that you know they lucked out into a draw they they they, they pulled in that letty against us and then got a <laughs> aftermath of a set piece goal late and then nicked the draw you know yeah no i i think that's a very very good point i think it's a very good point i think the recent victories and even the draw as you say the draw today are games that it's just like ah oh, that was a convincing win yeah that was a convincing win this was a draw that really should have been a win yeah. and they are lucky yeah. to get away with that yeah. draw and i think that is that is a great change dan um uh, obviously you were in the dub and i know that the goal went in on the 80th minute which uh, from my own experience the last 10 minutes in the dub are the biggest blur in the world um do, do, do you remember the moment the york goal went in could you see it from where you were no, and, and the reason why I couldn't see it is we pretty much encouraged the goal to happen. We were doing the thunderclap, and, 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 and the second we were finished the thunderclap, the goal went in. And then the York uh, United uh, family uh, sits directly in the next section. <laughs> oh, uh, above, above you. Above us. Yeah, and, behind and, and above. And they were, they were giving us the gas uh, pretty hard Sucks. after that. but. You know, we will. We, we must have will. We we were full of so much piss and vinegar yeah. yesterday that um, we we were we were willing anything to happen. Yeah. It didn't matter. We were willing goals in in the net, and we apparently it didn't matter who. It, well, it's yeah, Johnny. Johnny, what did, have you seen it back? What did you make of that goal we conceded? I mean, who, who doesn't who doesn't love a nice bullet header like that, right? I mean, I mean, I don't when it's in a situation like that. But I mean, they must have been chuffed to bits. I bet. Good for them, I guess. Yeah, but break it break it down <laughs> for us because it's the right back. 
It's the right back who is in the left corner of our six yard area with that bullet header. Mm. So, I mean, like it, it, it came from a second phase of play, yeah. right? After, after a free kick. Uh, after yeah. a corner kick. What do you think the issue is there? Because, I mean, you hear that shout of push up. So, so, and then the second phase comes in. So from your point of view, what, what happened there? It, it, do you say, it's, would you call it bad marking or do you think it's just simply a play, a right back who was in a left center forward position kind of got forgotten about by a defender? And if that's the kid, do you think that's the case? When it's second phase, it's tough to blame the marking because everything is out of whack. You know what I mean? So especially when it's second phase, it's so quick like that that everyone's still up there. But they've since moved around, so it's a bit of a crapshoot because you've got players that were up that are now running to get back. You got players that maybe were back because they're not as tall, running to get up, and you lose your man. So it's really hard to blame it on marking, I think, in a situation like that. But you know, you get lucky. You 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 punt a ball into a scrum in the box, and maybe a big man gets his head on it, and that's what happened. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, w I, w I would tend to agree there. I think that at the end of the day, if you want to be overly critical, it does come down to marking. But it's also, as I say, it's a right, it's a right back in a left centre forward position. It's the second phase of play, and yes, it does come down to marking and ensuring everyone who's marking their man on the corner doesn't lose their man for the second phase of play. But the, how do I say this? At the end of the day, I'm not being overly critical about it because I think it's actually the only foot out of line our defence put all day. And in a season of defensive and just general individual blunders, like one mistake to tie a game like this at the end of the season, is it frustrating? Yes. Am I concerned about it? No. Do I think that, that the defense is going to learn from that and that will be an element of the team talk and the defensive training over the next two weeks and the drills about ensuring you don't lose your man when you push out and the second phase is coming in? But hey, at the end of the day, it was resolute defense for 80 minutes. And guess what? It was resolute defense for the 10 minutes after as well, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these, you know, I'm, 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 I'm tired singing at 80 minutes. So I'm sure they're tired of actually playing <laughs> the match too, you know. And, and yeah. you know, I, you could argue that, you know, so, you know a substitution like Manila could have happened 10 minutes earlier. Um, you could, you know, you could have, you could go give us on. a bit more composure yeah, on the board. Yeah, and just fresh legs, and like, you know, he's obviously like Chris is a very smart player too, and it's very, you know, he's just one of the senior guys too uh, in the side. Uh, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, I think everyone's just got to get realistic about what's going on here. These, we are, we are, we're playing the killjoy. Um, and we're doing a good job well, to the point where going into 2022, we're going to be typecast as the killjoy yeah. because no one's expecting us to do jack shit. Yeah. And now that it's taken us 750,000 kicks at the can to get the formation <laughs> right and utilize the players that we have, not you know, and 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 where where the identity that we are and not the one that we want or the one that we thought we wanted or the one that we would like. Mm. Um, and what a what a what a what a shocker! You know, uh, we're playing better football. And as a fan, as a supporter, as a season ticket holder, you know, we we went to these last three games knowing all of that in advance. You know, and knowing that, that the club is, you know, it's beyond playoff contention. And you go to football matches at this type of time of year to see your club dig deep yeah. and get points yeah. and you know what for us after this year after this year 
um, with all the ups and downs and the roller coasters that we have. Yeah, it would be really sweet to have three points at home to close out the season. It would have been a really beautiful Cinderella bookend to open the first game at TD and get a win and close it and get a yeah. win. At the end of the day, my, my football club is playing the best football of the year, unfortunately, with nothing to play for. Yeah, but, but you know, we played that's a team. That's just what it yeah. is, man. We played, we played a team that's desperate for a playoff spot, and then we outplayed them in every way imaginable. Johnny, both of them. We play outplayed oh, Valor, Valor as and well. York, that's the thing. Who are yeah. also we just like you yeah. know what I mean? Like we got we were talking about getting I, scalps last 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 uh, last podcast. This is scalp two out of three. Let's get that other one in two weeks. At the end of the day, it is because you know what? A Halifax drew nil nil with was it Pacific the other night, and that to them is like, well, is that a point drop? No, against the the team second in the table now, because I think Cavalry have gone above them. Um, it, that that is a good point picked up. Yeah. But coming to the team who has been almost diabolical for a lot of the year for plenty of reasons, and effort is not one of them. Let's just lay that out there. Uh, you know what? They they did drop a point, and you're absolutely right. That is second scalp. Um, before we move, I like I'm going to spend the last little bit of this podcast talking about our individual days because I felt like most people would probably want to hear about the the game, and I thought we'd end it because we all three of us had kind of different days on Sunday. Yeah. But the last thing I want to touch on, we could have nicked all three points at the end, Johnny. There were there were two or three opportunities to nick all three points. It was down at the dub end as well. It would have been. The the most mental ending, as Dan says about the Cinderella book ending. By the way, it would have been perfect symmetry because it would have been a 2-1 win, like the 2-1 exactly, win in the exactly. game against Halifax. With a late Cinderella goal. S. And Ryan Telfer, he's put through on goal. He takes a poor touch. It comes behind him a bit. He gets a solid shot away. But again, like every single shot that day, it gravitated to the magnet that was Ingham. Yeah. I swear to God, he put a magnet in the ball. <laughs> Remember the old Pro Evolution soccer game where you could put cheat codes yeah, in? Yeah. And one of them was magnet ball, and it always came back to your player. I felt like that's what the shots were going towards Ingham yesterday. But Telfer, like, it was a good save, and it drops on the edge of the, uh, edge of the penalty box on the left foot of Alberto Soto. Mm. Now, is there a player, never mind in the Canadian Premier League, never mind at Ottawa, never mind in the Canadian Premier League, literally on earth, <laughs> that you think, hey, you know what? In that position, I kind of trust more than what we've seen yeah. this guy ping in from the edge of the box this season. Yeah. No, it was it was rough. It was rough. The amount of chances we had at the end there, like I, tr I, was, I believed, you know, I believed we were going to get another goal. Would you, would you believe, who do you think created the most chances yesterday on our team? With four of them. Uh, well, well now, now you've said this, I kind of think it's going to be an aloof answer. But uh, honestly, I thought like uh, Coupland is, is one that stands above. But I actually think Alberto so had, had a phenomenal game. So I'm going to go he created four. Rafael Nunez. Wait, N Nunez's cameo appearance. Created four chances. That's, that's a lie. He was on the field for 30 Created four me, chances. Me. The most of anyone on our team. Now these all happened near the end. You saw those passes. He 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 played in players like, like it was his job. I mean, it is his job, but mm. I mean, you know, he played, he played in play like he played. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he really. I mean, he had a great cameo appearance, uh, and and that's what made me think that we really could score at the end because the amount of breaks, the amount of uh, of of chances on net that we had that we just didn't bury, was rough. It was rough, especially I think in the, in the last podcast or the one before I called Malcolm Shaw the best finisher in the Canadian Premier League. I do still think that he is, but 
you know, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan Ingham had, a, had played an absolute blinder yesterday. Unfortunately, yeah, absolutely for had a, absolutely had a thing to say yeah. about that comment, didn't he? Um, uh, ju- just to round off player performances there, I actually uh, I, I love hearing that little tidbit and piece of information about Rafael Nunez. I think that Rafa has had a, a, a difficult season. Again, we mentioned the physicality of this league. I think he's one of those players that has suffered um, coming into potentially something he maybe wasn't expecting. There's a huge language barrier for him as well. That's hopefully, again, something that the club are going to rectify next year. I really hope that they're, cl- they're close to identifying players they want to bring next year. I hope they're giving spa- they're giving English lessons to them already. Yeah. I hope that if they haven't, I hope that if they haven't, then whilst they're here with the club next year, they're provided with English lessons whilst they're here as well. Simply for the fact that like they they need to be part of the cohesive unit. Um, and you know what? I'm I'm really happy to hear that Rafa Nunes got four made four big chances at four chances. Pardon me at the at the end of that game yeah. because um, he he has regardless of anything else you want to say about him Nunez has Nunez was at one point the only player to have played like every minute Uh, and he he's a tri- he was a trooper, yeah. and we relied on him heavily for such a young man in a brand new country as well. So, uh, if, if nothing else, if he's not back next season, I hope you can take some encouragement from the fact that even though in the face of adversity he did himself no shame. And uh, no, really, like Johnny, fantastic little tidbit of information there at the end. Uh, all right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go around the room and I'm going to start with you, Johnny, because um, Dan's got a little bit m- more to say on, on this subject. Yeah. But uh, this was your third game at TD Place this year. First time we don't get a victory <laughs> out of it. Yeah. So, so the, uh, the good luck yeah. charm is now broken. That means the next time you come in, you're due for a defeat. So I hope to never see you again. But tell me about your game day experience. There was the march beforehand. There was a meetup at the Senate Tavern. Tell, tell me a little bit about your game day experience and how you found the last game at TD Place for 2021 season? Well, I would say that I was a little worse for wear the day of. I think a lot of people would say the same thing. I mean, a lot of people were at the Canada game the day before. I was doing other things. Um, My day started off with me being very upset that I completely missed apparently an absolute murder show at Old Trafford, and I didn't get to see any of this. Get to this. The Egyptian king, well and truly. (laughs) Um, so get to the Senate and, uh, I, I saw our, our, you know, our roster that was going to be doing this, uh, this March. Neither of you were there cause you had other things to do. Christina was there. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the other faithful were there and, you know, it, they, they still really brought it. I mean, you know, Eddie's an absolute spark plug, so there was no lack of energy there, but the March was, it was still nice. Even, even though like there was some some tired faces, some tired people, but they really, really answered the call and brought it again for, for the last day of the season. And it was really, it was really nice to be a part of because I wasn't at the match for the first game because I was about, you know, 10 clicks away on the 417, uh, ten, mm. in, until about 10 minutes into the, into the game for the first game. So this was the first March that I got to attend and it was really great. It was really great. Fantastic. And uh, in terms of dub atmospheres, where do you rate them on your three? Um, you know, that's a tough one. I mean, they're 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 all cool for different reasons. Because I also brought, I was hanging out with different people each time, and I think this was, I think it was fit for for a final game, especially when everyone was dealing with with just the sort of fatigue from having been in the Canada game the day before. 
Uh, I think it was an extremely formidable showing, and it was it was really really fitting of 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 the year that had preceded it. I think that everyone did a really really great job. The atmosphere was great. I think we've really coming into our own with what songs we like the best. And we're professing perform a lot of them really well too. I mean, there's still some work to be done, and uh, that work will be done over the off season. But I mean, it really sh- it's really shown um, the improvements of the work that everyone has been putting in all season. I think really re- saw that reflected in uh, in the atmosphere yesterday, for sure. Fantastic game day experience. So like March beforehand, results, atmosphere in the dove. Give me a rating out of seven. Out of seven? You don't get out of ten. <laughs> I want it out of seven. You're allowed one decimal point. <laughs> so out of se- out of seven, it's seven out of seven. It's always seven out of seven. It's great. It's the best atmosphere in the league. What can I say? This is wonderful. Hey, all right, Philip DeSantos. I might, I might misquote you if you're not too <laughs> Let's open that can uh, of worms. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan, Dan, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw the floor back to yourself because you had an incredibly exciting day, as I mentioned in my uh, overly elaborate introduction, which occurred well over an hour ago now, uh, where I said that you quite literally took center stage as you came off from behind the curtains. Tell us about the build up to your day and 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 how the, and how that experience was for you i won't even say what it was about i'll let you go, let you go. well i don't know how, how far back do you want to talk about building up the golden scarf oh matey we're not going that but, far back but we spent a month we spent a month um promoting the golden scarf and then and have it this is the uh, first time last year we gave it to uh, acuna who unfortunately due to covid we weren't able to Hand uh, anyway. To hand hand it over to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year was the first time we were able to to do it. Our annual uh, sort of Golden Scarf uh, Award, which is the Player of the Year Award for the Capital City Supporters Group. Um, you know, I uh, how how that if you are uninitiated, what we do is um, we open it up to fans, anybody that that wants uh, to vote for their favorite player. We take the three top uh, nominees. And the uh, Founders Council of the Collective uh, Capital City Supporters Group vote out of those three finalists as to who will be the recipient of the award. Um, you know, a lot of people have sort of asked us, why, why did you choose a scarf to be your award? Like, that's sort of... Yeah, why, why didn't you take the classic... Tro- why didn't we do the classic trophy? This is your brainchild. So why, yeah, why the well, scarf over my, the My whole thing is, is you know... The most iconic symbol of a football supporter, the most beloved a- a- element of their game day repertoire is their scarf. Mm-hmm. They wear it to games in the rain, in the sun, in the sleet, in the snow. Yeah. They, they wear it to keep themselves warm, to wipe off the sweat from their brow. It is with them every minute of every day. Mm-hmm. It's in the air for the national anthem. It's in the air for the greatest moments that our club has to share with its fans. So to me, it's a no-brainer. How do we take something that is as so symbolic and so iconic to a supporter um, and give it the pageantry and and the um, bravitas that it deserves and you know it's just sort of one of those things where you know I, I thought if they can give out a blazer for a golf tournament 
anything's fair game. Well, I was going to so say, like, I mean, if you cross it with one of the most iconic individual uh, athlete awards in the world, then, I mean, you've got a perfect combination. It's the green jacket. Yeah, and I just thought that, you know, our group is immensely creative and doing things the way everyone expects has really not been our bag. Yeah. So it, it was really nice. So I, we, we, we were able to uh, get onto the pitch yesterday and uh, uh, award Malcolm his, his uh, Player of the Year award in, in front of all the fans. And uh, There's a great picture of that on our uh, Instagram and uh, on our Twitter as well as on our Facebook. All of those can be found at Capital City SG. Dan, carry on. Yeah, and then there's a, uh, you know, I think there's an article coming out about, about it from the club as well. But, you know, it's just... Um, you know, I, I, I'm not really the guy that likes to, you know, go on a lot of these shows and, and do the content and stuff like that. I'm, I'm happy behind my laptop computer running the social media yeah. and creating all the graphics and, 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 you know, building things behind the scenes for, for our members and stuff. But it was nice to just sort of be out there. I feel like the president should, should be the one that, that awards the, uh, the thing. And, and, and it was unanimous, uh, the, the, the Founders Council Council agreed with that. So yeah, we had a, we did have some feisty debates though, as we said. Zach was very much a, a, a fan favorite, mm-hmm. and and again, you, you're a little bit there's the there's a recency bias that comes into things, and you have to very much remove yourself and be objective yeah. about things. So we we did have some a little bit heated debates about what was going to happen. As we know, Dylan is like not only just a bloody fantastic human being and just like an utter gent in himself but you know as i as i mentioned earlier i think he's someone who with the number of minutes he's played on the pitch like uh there's something ridiculous like the number one minutes by a goalkeeper this season, number one appearances by a goalkeeper this season, number one shots facebook so again like it was it was a feisty debate it was a but in the end we did we did come down to to the fact that, again, as you mentioned, Johnny, like earlier, there was an f- element of the fact that we, we've struggled for chances created all season, hence why this XG and these number of shots we had yesterday against York was so surprising. Yet somehow in the midst of all of that, despite being played on the wing most of the time when that's not really his position, it's not even right winger, it's right midfielder, mm-hmm. and he's de- asked to defend in a different way. Malcolm Shaw still hit double digits. Yeah, still season. hit double digits. Like, the, right, the right guy won the award. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's on, he was on... He, yeah, I mean, you're in the Golden Boot race on a team that's been um, the the least consistent out of every team in the league. Yeah. Questionable all year long. I mean, he's been he has been an absolute all star. If they had those in this league, and um, you know, if anyone from the upper brass is listening, like open your wallets because we want that guy back next year. We want them all back next yeah. year. We want we want all our finalists back next yeah. year. But it was just great to come out from behind the, the curtain. I'm usually play the Professor Oz, uh, and it was just sort of nice to, to you know, to do that. So, you know, no, it was good. It was good. You looked you looked mighty fine on that on that center stage. There's a rare photograph of Daniel Dunn. Yeah. There aren't many of them in existence, but uh, well, Thomas and Eddie they get all the credit. Yeah. they get all the love, but really, you know, I'm doing all the work. You're the. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, gu- I guess that, uh, albeit it's close to 10 p.m. after this, that Daniel is going to be the one who edits this podcast then. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, but no, that was, uh, that was a, um, yeah, absolutely cracking moment to have us out there. Great to have that award celebrated like, on the pitch there. Uh, the, the funny thing is, with the day, my day coincided, 
you handed Malcolm the scarf, and then the scarf got handed immediately to me. Uh, it went from your hand to his hand to my hand. Yeah. So, so, so my day was uh, e- exciting in its own way in the sense that uh, media officer Michelle down at uh, the club offered me an opportunity to t- t- step away from the stands and come and see a little bit more what the, the, the day game day experience is like there. So I spent a lot of time in the Hunter Tunnel. I spent time hunting down towels for the York players <laughs> uh, as their, their kit guy came out and he was like, yo, we're missing five towels. And I was just, because I was the only one stood in the corridor at that time and what i understood <laughs> was like oh if you're if you're standing around and you work for the team it don't matter what you do yeah. you go find the towels. exactly and yeah. i'm like going through this thing and like i'm <laughs> looking for the kit man i'm like nick where's the where's the where are the towels he, he um, just he just showed his experience right that's there. so funny you know you never stand around the crowd no exactly you because you're gonna get asked to do no. something <laughs> <laughs> that's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> But no, like it was, it was a fantastic experience. Like setting up the press conferences, like going over to the York dressing room and asking Jimmy Brennan to come in for his uh, for his press conference. And obviously, Jimmy wants to have conversations with uh, his players. And uh, there's also deadlines on other ends. And I'm like, Jimmy, sorry, we've got to go. And I'm like, cool. I've been here for three minutes and I've pissed off Jimmy hey, Brennan. Get in. Like, <laughs> I'm like, great. Like now I've got to go piss off Meester <laughs> too. Fantastic. And I was like, oh yeah, media relations. This is fucking fun. <laughs> Uh, it's more like media make sure the relations don't die yeah, exactly um, exactly <laughs> uh, but it was it was great so i spent a lot of the time like uh, I, I think i spent like maybe 30 40 minutes of the game like working things behind the scenes and unable to like watch most uh, a lot a big chunk of it but the the bits i did see was stood in the tunnel and i i got to see this experience again of like what most fans who sit in that area see that interaction between the players mm-hmm. as i mentioned malcolm comes off with this scarf and he hands it to me so i'm straight into the atletico dressing room going where's malcolm's thing locker yeah. and hanging <laughs> up the scarf in his locker um but no it was uh, it was a really it was a really interesting way to see game day something that you know like especially like on actual game day like i've done stadium tours i've seen the inside of stadiums mm-hmm. i've seen the inside of td before but seeing some like sheer professionals at work seeing sort of the the back end of the organization and mister tapped me on the bottom so uh, i'm never watching that oh one. my washing goodness that you got the other boy yeah. you got the other boy i brought him over to his basketball press conference and he said thank you thomas oh. and gave me a good old it must have been a pity at a boy, but it, uh, it still counts. It still counts. Hey, I came to get him. So, uh, you know what? I think he was proud of me. Job done, Tom. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. But no, like, look, at the end of the day, I love being a supporter. It was just very fun to go and see a different experience. And uh, yeah, like, or the only thing, like, the, the big thing I'll take away from that is that, like, Atletico Ottawa have got, like, a, a they've got a dedicated team behind yeah. the scenes. This, this, club, th- this club has struggled this year, but as any club, would being founded in a pandemic and and kind of feeling their way through the dark and 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 trying to do things despite the adversity we remember they don't have the infrastructure that was set up prior to the pandemic like all these other clubs yeah well these other clubs are uh, adapting to the pandemic but these guys are literally thrown into it in a pandemic so yeah you know what there is there's a dedicated team and i'm super excited to see what these guys do if i can think of if there's one club in the league that's prepared to to overcome their shortcomings it's us you know there's one thing that has the team that has the infrastructure that has the drive that to 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 really sort of correct the problems that we've been facing then it's definitely it's definitely ours 
for sure. All right, um, uh, we're, co- we're, we're definitely coming to the tail end here. Right? Uh, the only one I'm going to wrap this up quickly is, um, Johnny, give us a little insight into, into your life. Uh, I know we've got a couple of weeks until the final home game, but uh, the final home game, the final game, pardon mm-hmm. me, where we face Halifax on the 7th of November. But uh, what are your plans to make your way through the dark, disgusting, depressing elements of winter as we desperately await a new season of football? Well, I'm going to be just refreshing Instagram pages and transfer market pages and it's it's silly season is about to begin baby it's almost as fun as the regular season <laughs> so absolutely then on uh, on that element there make sure you come and try and join us on discord we got a capital city discord for members as well head to our website capitalcitysupporters.com sign up to be a member it's still free at the moment you get the newsletter you get access to the discord where we can have conversations about uh transfers as johnny mentioned just there as uh, we've got a couple of dedicated members who like going hunting on the deep dark elements of the internet to find out who liked whose instagram page at what date to maybe think like whether maybe perhaps they might come to the club in the near potential long short term futures uh, which is essentially what the conversations are so they <laughs> sound incredibly dull but they're actually super fun if you're geeky about football so do come and join on that element well Johnny we're going to do a goodbye in just a second but Daniel we've got a couple of uh, weeks until the end of the season and we've got a big thing coming up as we did last year as well and then some off season plans so let the listeners know uh, what CCSG has got going on and uh, I know I've mentioned a couple of bits and bobs about how people can get implicated with us yeah, so there's an, like he, you mentioned, uh, Johnny, that it's silly season. Well, the, our, our workload just quadrupled for the group. We're, we're, we have a, our season review that's coming up. It'll be in November. It'll be after the season. Uh, it'll be live on YouTube. Uh, stay tuned for when the, the date will actually be. Um, it will be bigger and better like they all are. We're, uh, we always try and top ourselves uh, with, with new content and new guests and new themes for our, our live content. We're the only supporters group in North America that does live broadcasts um, uh, for, their, for their groups and for their clubs. So we're going to continue to do uh, that as our season review. We will create new programming in the offseason for exactly what you guys are talking about. We're going to put uh, ATO after the whistle to bed uh, for, for this season, and we're going to start a new, uh, a, a new program that's going to deal with the, the off-season. Um, there's a whole bunch of members-specific uh, events that we are going to plan for next year, and also uh, I'd like to get one in the off-season. Um, and the most important thing at the moment is next year we will be launching our Ministry of Football program, our paid membership nice. program. Nice. We were supposed to launch it this year. Um, it comes with a bunch of perks, access to what we're doing, because what we're doing now is free and available for a lot of people, but there's going to be certain content that our members are exclusive to, and, and, and rightfully so. Um, our paid membership program is to help subsidize some of the expenses that we incur when we create this program Mm -hmm. our software our 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 stuff like this um Uh, can i just say our time as well i didn't just learn to do this stuff overnight nor did you nor did johnny (laughs) nor did any of us there are many years of training and hours of volunteer work that go in every week and that is absolutely fine we don't get paid for any of this and nor do we expect to but as you say there are basic things like the banners and the po and the flags and stuff like that yeah i mean we 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 are the most active supporters group in the city Mm -hmm. and and we get new members every day and you know 
Um, all I have to say in closing is everybody keep an eye on their newsletter, the Red Card Report. If you, if you don't have access to the Red Card Report, join right now. Become a member on CapitalCitySupporters.com. Click you join will, us. You will regret it if you don't trust me. Yeah. You, will be, you will be given email blasts for all and any and all things Capital City and Atletico in the offseason. Um, and yeah, there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of work ahead of us and I just also in closing want to say thank you to everybody um, our, our match day officer Eddie Benin was absolutely spectacular this year oh yeah um, his right hand man uh, Brandon Adaby was was spectacular uh, as well our flag man Paul at the front our flag uh, woman Christina um, in the rear what, what were non-stop like not not I've never seen flag men and women wear, wave flags for 95 minutes yeah. straight every game. I've never seen it before. Yeah. Um, so they've been immaculate. Our drummer, Megan, she is tenacious and w she just won't quit. Yeah. And, you know, our, our, our key contributing members have answered the bell and, you know, I can't do what, what I, what I th th this doesn't happen without you guys, you know? You know, thank you, Thomas for basically being the face of this organization and, 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 and the live content and you're so beloved by all the players. You've, you know, you've, um, you've really, really, really um, done a wonderful job with, 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 this, with this platform and, 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 you know, helping us get to as many people as possible. And, you know, people like you, Johnny, are the reason why I founded a supporters group. You know, there's people that are creative that want to do things outside of the box, that think outside of the box, that are more than happy to use that creativity for the benefit of, of their club. Yeah. Um, this game is growing in Canada. Um, I'm an old guy. It never used to be like this. We can't take it for granted. Yeah. Um, and we certainly can't take football for granted here in the capital. So, um, you know, come hell or high water, Capital City Supporters Group is going to do whatever it can to, um, you know, remain steadfast in our commitment to sow this club and this game into the sporting landscape of this city. It's only going to get bigger. Smash and stop. Well, thank you very much there, Dan. Johnny, as always, thank you very much for joining me, good sir. Lair, before I let you go, let the people know where they can find you on the socials. Uh, well, I'm on the at... John A. J A W N E I G H. You make me say that every sh episode because you know it sounds Nay. dumb and you know I'm embarrassed to say it. It's a dumb username, but you know what? My content is funny. So check it out. <laughs> uh, he is a bit of a meme king. We will definitely go find him. Dan, where can people find you slash not find you? Do you want to <laughs> Do be you found? Want to be yeah, found? No, just, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm, I, I run the Capital City in, in Instagram and, and, and Liaise with thomas on twitter and do the facebook so all that if you if you need me reach out to capital city i'm not very active on my personal stuff because i'm too busy posting for capital no. city so if you want if you want me i'm at capital city sg and i'm usually the the guy that responds back that doesn't sound english <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, it's funny how just in typing it's very obvious when it's me replying oh, yeah. or tweeting. Normally because it's a spelling mistake because my keyboard's normally <laughs> in French. Uh, do you want T football or the football? Either one. Uh, but <laughs> no, you can <laughs> it's the accent on the E. It gets me every single time. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. If you want to find myself, it's at Stockton underscore 22. Uh, but as Dan beat me to the punch, the main place where you need to be is at Capital City SG or Capital City Supporters com join us to be a member thank you so much for your continued support your continued listening on the ato after the whistle podcast we had a bloody great time doing it this year and i'm not even gonna let johnny say anything he had a great time i swear to god he's not hostaged in the other room uh we've got two thumbs up it's absolutely great uh we've we've loved doing it we love sharing some of our insights and thoughts it was very much something that was thrown together in the middle of the season to try and give more content as dan said there's going to be a lot of work and a lot of thought into our content coming next year so stay tuned sign up and uh until then vamos atleti